We are in week number two of our series, Five Easy Steps to Wreck Your Life. And if your life's going really well, then we're going to help you out this morning and we're going to show you how you can wreck it. And this morning we're going to be talking about how to become an addict. And now, before you go to sleep and think, well, I'm not addicted to any drugs, I'm not an alcoholic, um, I'm just going to tell you, you're not off the hook. Um, you guys should know me better than that by now. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to discriminate. Uh, I'm not going to discriminate against any of you. You're all um, going to hopefully get something out of this one. Um, but the truth of the matter is that we're all addicted to sin. Um, we have a, an issue with sin as as human beings, we tend to rebel against God, and that's that's kind of our natural um, disposition. And this morning, we're going to talk about more than just the typical addictions that you might think of when you think of addictions. First Corinthians six, six uh, twelve says, "Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered." By anything, by the way, these verses are on uh, your bulletin if you got one. And this word, I will not be mastered, that word master is uh, a word that I cannot pronounce. Excusiazo is not my best attempt. Uh, in the Greek, it means to be controlled or enslaved by something. Controlled or enslaved, or to be brought under the power of something. And Pretty much all of us, uh, at any given point, are being brought under the power of some uh, sin, and we need to be set free from that. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. So I want you to, right now, be thinking of what has mastered you, what has brought you under its power, and and get that in your mind. What what is that? What's that sin that just continues to to come back? For you, what has mastered you? Is it food? Um, some, sometimes we turn to food to for comfort, um, and, and that's where we go when we need to feel peace or feel in control. Or it could be television that has mastered you. The TV might be the thing that you sacrifice your time to. It could be Facebook. Facebook could master you, or Xbox, or um, it, could be, it could be drugs, it could be prescription pills, it could be pot, it could be alcohol, it could be um, any number of things, and, and not even necessarily things that are bad and sinful in and of themselves. It can be a neutral thing that has become mastered over you. Um, it could be gambling, it could be pornography, it could be anything. And, and um, just, to, just to make an official stance on, on uh, marijuana, on pot, I, I, don't, I don't think that marijuana is a neutral thing. Um, I don't think it's something that you can do in moderation. And, it, and it be, I, don't, I don't see pot the same as, as like wine. Um, you can have a few sips of wine and it tastes good. But if you have a few hits of a joint, you are high. And uh, so, 
So I don't, I don't see those the same. I, you know, the Bible calls us to be sober, to be alert, and, um, and, and, and marijuana doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't help lucid, clear thinking. It doesn't make us sharp. It actually brings a fog. And if, if our minds um, are, are what God's given us to relate to Him, to have a relationship with Him, then, then we need to do what promotes clear, sharp thinking. That's just my little tangent on pop, okay? Um, but what has mastered you? What has controlled you? What has enslaved you? Um, if you want to wreck your life by becoming an, an addict, if you want to become more addicted to something, I'm going to help you out this morning. I'm going to give you some steps to become addicted. Um, you might want to take notes so that if one morning you wake up and you decide, you know, I'm tired of this good life and I just want to become an addict, you'll have your notes and you can pull them out. Um, all right, so number one, the first step to becoming an addict is that you must never, under any circumstances, admit your sin. Never, ever Admit your sin. Don't do that. Excuse it. Excuse your behavior. In fact, think of yourself as a victim. Um, you know, don't call your, your addiction sin. Don't confess it to the Lord. And don't admit that you need Jesus to save you. Uh, obviously, it's hard for me to do that, that whole sarcastic thing. It just feels so weird to even say that. Um, a, a definition of addiction that I'm going to be using today is a sin, which just that alone is controversial. Just to call an addiction a sin, our culture doesn't do that. A sin that you cannot seem to stop because it has great power over you. In this way, it is a self-selected enslavement to an idol. I got that definition from a biblical counselor named Ed Welch. So sin, it's a sin that you cannot seem to stop. It's self-selected enslavement to an idol. And this morning, I'm not going to use the word disease. I know that that's a very popular way of explaining addiction. We call it a disease. Um, and, you know, we think, we think of alcoholism as a disease or drug addiction as a disease and and I understand that that's, that's the norm. But, but I'm not going to refer to it as disease this morning because I really, I, I just don't find that helpful at all. Um, I know it sounds a little harsher to say that it's a sin that, that we're choosing. It's self-selected enslavement. I know that sounds a little harsher, but I just don't find it helpful at all for us to think of this in terms of a disease. If it's a disease, then we are merely victims and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't help us to, to take responsibility and to admit um, our sin. So, um, you know, it, you, you, might think of, you might think of things as a disease, but this morning, just, just um, help me out here, and, and let's think of this as, as, a, as a sin. Um, so from a biblical perspective... Uh, 
we are we are all sinners. So this isn't like we we aren't we aren't um, calling just some people out here. We are all sinners, and we are all in need of a savior. In order to be set free from our sin, we need Jesus. Jesus is the answer for for all of our sin. Whether whether we feel like it's an addiction thing or not, Jesus is the answer. And so that's why this first step toward becoming addicted is is not confessing, not admitting your sin because you've got to see this thing as a sin so that you'll take it to Jesus. See, Jesus dealt with our sin on the cross. He died on the cross to take our sins from us, to deal with them, to pay the penalty for them, and to, to break the chains off of us. So, so he's dealt with them. When you think of it as a disease, you're not, you're not thinking of it as something that Jesus died for, to free you from. And so, so um, Jesus is the answer, and we've got we've to go to him First, we've got to take, take these things to him and give them to him. Proverbs 28, 13 says, um, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So we need to stop trying to hide our sins, stop trying to excuse our sin and hold on to our sin. We've got to recognize that our problem is a sin problem and take it to Jesus because he's the, he's the one that's going to set us free. He's the answer to our sin problem. He, he's the one who can free us. Um, the second thing that you can do if you want to wreck your life with addiction is that you can make sure your focus is on changing your behavior and not on Jesus. And this is... This is huge right here. See, what happens when we become enslaved by, by something is that all of our attention gets put on that thing. And, and so what, what we do is we, we focus on, on this behavior. I, I got to stop doing this. I got to stop. I got I to stop doing this. And, and I got to come up with a plan. So, so if you want to wreck your life, Make sure you focus on your behavior, because as you, as you go into this addiction thing, you're going to become annoyed with it, and you're going to be tempted to do something about it. So just make sure you're focusing on your behavior and not on Jesus, and you will be well on your way into deeper addiction. But that's not, that's not the way that Jesus sets us free. Jesus doesn't set us free by, by having us focus on the behavior so, because when we do that, when we focus on the behavior, it's impossible to have our eyes on Jesus. It's impossible to be putting our faith in Him. What we end up doing is we, we end up putting our faith in ourselves. It's, it's a form of legalism. It's a form of legalism. Our obsession becomes behavior change rather than Jesus. Our obsession becomes behavior change. And our, and our obsession needs to be Jesus. As we look, look at Him, then our, our lives change. We're changed from the inside out. Um, so when you're, 
it says in John 17, 3, Jesus says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus praying his prayer, his high priestly prayer in the garden before he's arrested. He says, This is eternal life, that they know you, that they know you and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. So, life, real life, comes from knowing God. And what we need is to put our focus on our relationship with God. And when we do that, then, then we experience real life and we get free, we get set free from our addictions. Galatians 2.20, I love this verse. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins. When we put our faith in him, then it's as if we died with him. Our old sinful selves died with him on the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So, remember what what I just said. If you're focusing on behavior change, if your focus is on, I need to to fix this, I need to get over this, I need to stop this, I I need to get free of this, then who is your faith in? It's in, it's in yourself. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. What can I do? What do I need to do differently? How am I going to overcome this? And your faith is in yourself. But the life that I now live, I live by faith in the one who loved me. Jesus comes and lives in us. When we put our faith in him, he comes to live inside of us. Did you catch that? Christ who lives in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The fact of the matter is we are powerless over our sins without Jesus. That's the facts. And if you're like me, you've tried You've tried to defeat stuff on your own. You've seen how powerless we are. We have got to have Jesus empowering us. And he's come to live in us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And, and see, these verses are talking about They're stated facts. The old has passed away. The new has come. Christ is in you. These are stated facts for the believer. But what happens is sometimes our experience lies to us. You know, our experience is, well then, why? Why why do I keep messing up? And, And you go, you know, it's hard for me to... It's hard for me to get that. How can Jesus be in me and the old 
the old me has died, how? And I, but I still struggle, why? And the issue is, sin still dwells within us. See, the, the apostle Paul talks about this in Romans 7. He says, you know, I keep doing the thing that I don't want to do and the very thing that I want to do, I don't do. And he's going on and, and he says, so I find this to be true that it's no longer I who do it. It's the sin that dwells within me. You have so fully received a new identity in Christ when you put your faith in him. You have so completely received a new nature, a new identity that it's no longer you who do it. It's the sin that dwells within you. What Satan wants you to think is that it's still your nature. It's still you. It's still you at the core. But if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you've received such a new identity so completely that it isn't even you. It is the sin that dwells within you. And then at the end of Romans chapter 7, Paul says, so who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he goes on in Romans chapter 8. is all about living this life led by the Spirit of God into freedom. And so you have, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you've been born again, then, then you have Jesus in you. Even if your behavior sometimes, your experience sometimes is betraying that you, 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 and, and it's confusing to you, the facts are you have Jesus in you. And he came to live in you to empower you to live the life that he's called you to. You see, he could have forgiven us without ever coming to dwell in us. The, the, his death on the cross, he could have forgiven us without coming to dwell within us, but he came to dwell within us to go beyond just forgiveness, to take us into new life, to, to express his life out of us. We aren't capable Without him, we are not capable of doing this. It says in John 15, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture when Jesus is doing the whole um, Last Supper with his disciples. And he says, so you think about his disciples from their perspective. They've seen Jesus doing all these crazy, amazing things, and, and they keep hearing Jesus say this, this same thing, like, it's, it's, you know, I don't speak anything in my own authority, but I speak the words that the Father gives me. I, you know, I don't do anything in my own initiative, but what, the, what I see the Father doing, then I do. What is he talking about? What is Jesus talking about? See, Jesus emptied himself of all his divine power, became a man. Though still God, he became fully a man and he lived life as a human being relying on the Father. And so the works that he did were the Father through him. And then he says, now the same way that you've seen me living life in complete dependence on the Father, I want you to live your life in complete dependence on me. Listen, he says, abide in me 
Live in me, dwell in me, remain in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But we're probably familiar with the verse that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It has to be through him. And, and in order for us to, to, to allow him to express his life out of us, then we have to moment by moment trust him depend upon him, rely on him, set our eyes on him, focus on him, cling to him, abide in him, live in him. To live is Christ. And Jesus said, you've got to abide in me. If you just, if you just abide in me, then your life's going to bear fruit. Fruit's going to come. You try and go on your own, you won't. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's how we can be set free from our sins. Not when we focus on changing our behavior, but when we come to know who Jesus is in us and who we are in him, then suddenly we start to see change happening naturally. You know, for fruit to come out of a tree, it just, it just happens so naturally. And for fruit to come out of our lives, it's something that happens so naturally when we are in Him. We discover that the sins that we couldn't imagine living without, they lose their appeal. Um, there's an old song that says, um, how does it go? Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look whole on his wondrous face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we turn our eyes upon Jesus, we see him for who he is. The thing that's gripping us, the thing that has so much appeal, it starts to look really dim really dull. We start to wonder how it ever had a hold on us. So, the third thing that you can do if you want to make sure that you become an addict is don't worship God. Um, don't become obsessed with Him. Don't, don't allow Him to consume thoughts and time and energy don't worship him, and you'll be well on your way to, be, to becoming an addict. Push him to the side. Let other things become more important in your life. See, what we need to see is that whatever we have been mastered by, whatever has, has a hold on us, is, is our functional God. We're worshiping it. Um. We all worship. It, it, the question isn't whether or not we are worshiping. 
because, we, because of the way that God made us, we all worship. Uh, it, the question is, what are we worshiping? Do we worship sports? Is that what really fires us up? Is that what really gets us going? Is that what we're thinking about constantly? Is that what we're consumed by? Do we worship money? Is it about the next, the next you know, venture? Is it, is it about saving? Is it about security? Do we, do we worship work? You know, are, are, we, are we addicted to work? Is it something that we can't stop? Is it something that has the highest priority? Is it, is it bigger to us than God? Do we, do, what do we worship? Whatever, ha, whatever is, is ultimate to you. The word worship just means to ascribe worth to something. What is the most... What is the thing that's, that's the most honorable to you, that's, that's got the most worth in your life? That's what you're worshiping. We do this naturally. The question isn't, are we worshiping, but what are we worshiping? There's, I, I love this passage in Isaiah 44. Uh, I didn't have room to put this one on your sheets. But it says, it's, it's talking about this this person who's, it says he cut down cedars or perhaps, or perhaps took a cypress or an oak. So something that's neutral, a neutral object that's not good or bad in and of itself, just a tree, right? He cuts it down. Some of it he takes and he warms himself. He kindles a fire and he, and he bakes bread. Good things to use a tree to do. But he also fashions a god and he worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. He prays to it and says, Save me, you are my God. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see and their minds closed so they cannot understand. No one stops to think, Half of it I used for fuel. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. Diluted, a deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? So this talks about this guy who takes this neutral object and it becomes a god to him. And we, we read that and we think, how silly. You know, I, I would never carve something into an idol and bow down to it. But do we functionally do that when we spend hours upon hours upon hours in front of a screen, every night that just turns our brains into mush. And we laugh at the guy who carves an image. We just have someone else make the idol for us and we buy it. And we put it on our wall, we put it in our, in our living room, in a place of prominence, and we all gather around it. And we all sacrifice our time to it. I'm just picking on one idol. We have so many things like that. So many things that we are sacrificing to that, that, that are taking the place of preeminence in our lives. It's, it's the most important thing to us functionally. It's what, we, it's what we give the most of ourselves to. Romans 1 also has some really good verses on, on idol worship. It says, 
Claiming to be wise, this is 1, 22 through 25. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. See, anytime we worship anything other than God, we are worshiping something lesser. We, we only have two options. We can either worship the Creator, the one who made it all, or we can worship something created, something that He made. And when you think about it like that, it really, it, it's, a, it's real clear cut. Anything that's created is far lesser, and it's, it's silly to worship. If we, if we give ourselves to worshiping created things, then the, the pinnacle of all creation is, is humans, because God made human beings in His image. And we'll end up worshiping the human body and we'll inevitably search for the, the thing that, that gives us the most pleasure. And, um, and that being said, sexual sin is more than just a bad habit. It's, it's, an, it's a form of idolatry. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 7 through 8, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. So this is talking back, referring back to the children of Israel in the wilderness. And he calls this idolatry, sexual sin. So, to recap, any, any sin that, that we put in that we hold on to in our lives, that we refuse to let go of, is, is an idol. And so repentance is the act of tearing the idol down and worshiping God instead. Repentance is allowing God to be in that position of preeminence, the, the, the thing that's, that's the most honorable in your life. So again, addiction is self-selected enslavement to an idol. And what we're doing is we're seeking to we're seeking something that only God can provide in something other than God. If if it's um, if it's pot and you feel like, well, you know, I've got to have it to I've got to have it to wind down or or to feel, you know, at ease or whatever. Well, you know, what you're seeking maybe is peace. And God is the God of all peace. And He offers you a peace that passes all understanding. So what we're doing anytime we bow to an idol is we're, we're looking for something that God offers us. We're seeking it in something other than God. We're made for a relationship with Him and all of our efforts to be freed from addictions and from enslavement is if we... If we are doing that apart from our relationship with Him, then it's worthless. There's, um, I, I want to close with this story in the book of 
Judges. I think it's a powerful example of, of what, what we need to do. This is a picture of what we need to do when sin is, is holding us captive. We don't just tear down the idol. We're going to want to replace the place of that idol with worshiping God. And this story is in Judges 6, and there's this Israelite. His name is Gideon, and at the time, the Midianites are oppressing Israel, and, and they're taking their food from them. They're taking all their crops. They're starving them. And, and in the story, Gideon is hiding in a wine press, and he's threshing out wheat so that the Midianites don't steal his grain. So he's, he's being pretty cowardly. He's, he's, being, he's, he's afraid, and, um, and he's hiding out. And it says, Judges 6, 12 through 16, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. It's like he's, saying, he's, he's calling him a warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Do I not send you, but I will be with you. See, Gideon's strength was not in himself. He was of the weakest clan, and he was the weakest in his family. But that wasn't the point. The point was that he had God on his side. The point was that God was sending him up against this enemy. See, maybe this is you. Maybe you feel like Gideon, and you're hiding out in the wine press. You've accepted the slavery to this addiction, to this sin. You've just You've just accepted it. It's just part of life. And so you might as well just make do and try and keep the grain that you can and just and hide out. Live with it. Maybe you feel a little bit like that right now. Maybe your addiction is to caffeine or, or, or alcohol or prescription pills or pornography or... You're hiding out. You, you, you can't imagine that, that this enemy is ever going to be defeated, so you've just figured out a way to manage it. And the Lord has a word for you this morning. He has a word for you this morning. Listen to what he says to Gideon. Judges 6 25 through 26. That night, 
the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord on the top of the stronghold here. On the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. The Lord tells him, go straight to the idol in the middle of your town, in the middle of your life, the idol that your father built. Go straight to it. Don't hesitate and tear it down. And then build an altar of worship, a physical representation of worship to God on top of where the idol was. Don't hesitate. This is the word of the Lord for you this morning. The Lord is sending you. He says, I am with you. Your enemy is nothing to me. Your enemy, your sin that enslaves you, that feels so big that you can't imagine it not being there anymore is nothing to me. Do I not send you? Go in this strength of yours. Go, mighty warrior. Defeat the idol in your life. Go tear it down and build an altar of worship on top. You see, you might feel like you're powerless against this thing. The reality is you are by yourself. And that's why for so long you have felt like you couldn't get free. But Jesus is with you. He is in you. He has defeated your sin. He has given you the power to defeat this thing that enslaves you. He wants you to go and tear the idol down and to build an, an altar of worship there. Replace that hill. Don't leave the hilltop vacant. Replace it. Put God as ultimate in your life. Worship Him. Give thanks to Him. Let Him consume your life. Let Him consume your thoughts. Let Him consume your emotions, your affections. And when you do that, if you don't do that, another, another idol will pop up in its place. So on top of the hill, build an altar of worship to God. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We have weapons at our disposal that will destroy the strongholds in our lives. If you are in Christ, then you are a mighty warrior. And He's sending you out. Go in this strength of yours and defeat your enemy. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. He has set us free. Those are the facts. Even if that's not been your experience, this is the fact. You are set free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Imagine your life free from addictions, free from the sin that enslaves you, whatever has mastered you. This is the life that Jesus has purchased for you on the cross. Reach out and grab it by faith. It's yours. 
For freedom Christ has set you free. What if you discovered that the jail cell that you have been sitting in all this time had its door ripped off 2,000 years ago on Calvary and all you have to do is walk out? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have set us free. Thank you that um, that is, that's the fact. We're free. Because we're in Christ, we are free and we are empowered by, by our union with Christ to walk in freedom, to walk by faith in Christ. Father, I pray that, that this morning that, that we would see that the cell that we've been sitting in all this time doesn't even have a door on it. It's self-selected in slavery to an idol. And, and we, we simply have to reach out by faith. We simply have to walk out of the cell. God, I pray that you would help us to see it. And I pray that, that we would be set free this morning by the power of the Spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen.